We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Good morning and uh, welcome. I am Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in Chile, South St. Louis. I'm trying to be more honest and transparent about my uh, adjectives, the way I describe South St. Louis this time of year, John, just yeah. for you. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm Pastor John Lekomsky, formerly of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Athens and Trinity Lutheran Church in Darmstadt, and now I'm a free agent. <laughs> he, is, he is all over Southern Illinois. If you That's are right. in the Southern Illinois area, you you, never know. you might just have Pastor John show up yeah, at your church. That's right, so you better watch out. <laughs> at any moment, I might be at your door. <laughs> so I got I got to share something, and it relates to this, the fact that I have been kind of preaching around, as they say. Um, did we say what the show was, John? Oh, I don't think we did. This okay. is Wrestling, Wrestling with, with the, the Basics. basics. So All right. I'm preaching at uh, uh, Trinity Prairie yeah. a few weeks ago. Sure. And I get lost. I get lost in the, in the text. <laughs> in fact, I'm wondering... Like on the way to the church? You no, got no, 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 no. I'm in the middle of the sermon. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. oh word that I was lost on the way to the church. <laughs> but I'm in the middle of the sermon. I look down and I cannot find the passage that I'm looking for, you know, because I'm <laughs> preaching about the text, the gospel lesson. Yeah. So I think, well, well, maybe I didn't print it all out or something. So I go back over to the lectern to look at the big book of worship that's there and make sure that I've got the right text or I've got it all printed out. Well, it just, it was a couple verses further along. That's why I didn't see it. So anyway, you know, I apologize to the congregation. I just, I got, I, I got lost. Yeah. And as people are going out, I overhear someone saying, oh, that's just part of his, his act. <laughs> Now, let me tell you something, people. The doofusness that you hear here on Rest of the Basics, this is not an act. This is really who we are. This is That's Sorry right. This is the sincere, real doofusness. You could not make this up. This only comes with years and years of practice. In fact, every day I, I begin by saying, I'm going to do something stupid today because I like to set goals I know I can keep. Set the bar low. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. <laughs> so, no, no, this is no act. This is the real thing. That's here. part of his act. That's good. That's good. No, that, that's that's the real, raw Pastor John Lukomsky. <laughs> So uh, we got to go back because they're not going to ask you back, are they, John? <laughs> no, actually, they did. they did. Yes, they did. They said, oh no, now you're going to have your encore. Yeah, you have yeah, to see what you can. Yeah, they just want to see what kind of stupid. What you can thing. do this time. That's the thing with doofuses. People are wondering what kind of stupid thing will he do this time? <laughs> oh, you think that's good? So I'm filling in for Pastor Bruce Kaseman. You know him at Freeburg. Oh, sure, yeah. And I'm yep. sitting there in the front waiting for the organist to start the opening hymn. Sitting there, sitting there. Oh man, it's a couple minutes. Minutes, three minutes, nothing's going on. Oh, no. And I look down at the printed order of worship and realize that they don't have an opening hymn. They go right in <laughs> to the invocation and the confession, and then they sing a hymn. <laughs> People start leaving, headed for Denny's already. 
Melchizedek, because we ran out of time. People don't realize this is really hard for us because we've got 30 minutes and we cannot go on. The thing shuts off in 30 minutes. You wanted to wrap it all together. So we know we got this guy. We know that he was a prophet. and No, he's not a prophet. He's a priest and a king. So what does that mean to us? Why, why was that so important? Glad you asked, John. Uh, so, yeah, yeah just said, again, from last week, we are talking about Melchizedek and he shows up in the book of Genesis, chapter 14. So early on in the scriptures, uh, there's this uh, conflict between uh, Abram and these other kings, and Abram rescues his brother, or excuse me, nephew Lot from captivity. And then after that, I'm making a long story short here, after that, in this valley, uh, Abram meets with Melchizedek. And he's described as someone who's both, like you said, a king and a priest, of Salem, this the city that means peace. And Abram offers him a tenth of all that he has. So he gives this this offering, this tithe of sorts, to this Melchizedek. So Melchizedek seems to be the greater yes, one yes. between him and Abram. So who is this Melchizedek? Well, ultimately, as the book of Hebrews points out, and that's kind of what got us started on this, is Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I think that's interesting. Yes. It doesn't say in the order of, of Aaron. You know, we no, always think no. of him as high priest and really the, the first of the high priest among the Israelites, certainly. But no, in the order of Melchizedek. So a couple things here. So again, Melchizedek, is he from the tribe of Levi? No, no, that's no. the whole problem. Yeah, yeah so yeah. so the, the Levi's not even born yet. There is no tribe of Levi. This is the time of Abraham, okay? And Levi will be Abraham's descendant. That's where the priest will come is from that tribe of Levi. Uh, is Jesus from the tribe of Levi? Don't ask me those questions. No, no, he isn't. <laughs> well, I'm no, just going to no. go out on a limb and you know, say, no, so, he's not. So Judah, right? Yes. So he's from Judah, you know. Uh, so Jesus, you know, again, you might not expect him to be priest, and yet he is. Yeah. You know, not just from the after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek, the one who was oh. even became before Aaron oh, and wasn't okay. from the tribe of Levi, and, and okay. neither is, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so that's I, interesting. Yeah, well, not, so I'm thinking if, if he's writing to the Jews, which is what you said, are the Hebrews. It's the letter to the Hebrews. Yes, uh-huh. So maybe the problem would be, well, why is Jesus doing this? Why is he making the sacrifice? He's not even a priest. Yes. And so the argument would be, but there were priests before the priestly yes. order. Okay? Yeah. And, and he's a priest after this order, the order of Melchizedek. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly, after this order of Melchizedek. And in some ways, Melchizedek's even greater, because he's not only a priest, but he's also king. king. He's yeah. king as well. Uh, and then I, the other line I like, too, is Jesus will be priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Aaron, obviously, was high priest and died. Okay? Melchizedek, he's going to die. Jesus... Well, he dies, but he he rises himself back to life. He's raised to life, and he is priest forever and ever and ever. Uh, He's our great high priest right now as he brings our prayers before the Father, as he represents us before his Father in heaven, as he he represents the Father to us too, right? Um, So he has that priestly role even now at God's right hand in heaven. So I like the thought that from the very beginning, God said we need to have a priest that's not just something we're doing because mm-hmm. we got Levi mm-hmm. and, and, yep. and Aaron and yep. stuff like that. No, that idea exists before those guys. They're just, we're setting that up now as a formality. But from the very beginning, there's got to be someone who makes a sacrifice for sin. And ultimately, that someone would turn out to be Jesus Christ. Exactly. And then yeah. and then you can get into so much more. That idea that I love that 
uh, Jesus is both the priest, the high yeah. priest, but he's also the sacrifice. Yeah. And I yeah, just yeah. love that dichotomy. And then some of our hymns pick up on that, that especially our communion hymns. But this idea that on the cross, here's the high priest offering the sacrifice, and it's himself. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in Matthew's gospel in particular, you have that, that beautiful detail that at the time of Jesus' death, remember what happens yep, in the yep, temple? Yep. The curtain is torn in two, and I love this, it's from the top to the bottom. It's almost yep. like God's hands in heaven tearing it apart, and that separation taken away between between us and God, between that holy place and the holy of holies, right, um, where the, the priests would enter on that day of atonement to give sacrifice. Jesus, Jesus fulfills all that. Uh, Jesus is the only sacrifice that ever needs to be made again, uh, and he's the one that takes away the sin of the world. Now, you want to know what Lynn's, my wife's, neat insight about that tearing sure. of the curtain? Yeah, yeah. So you remember in the Old Testament what people did when they were sad? Yeah, to tear. They tore sure. their clothes. And her thought is, that's God the Father. His son has just died. He sent him to death. Yeah. Would that not make you sad? And so you tear that, you tear that. I thought, that's a neat thought. Yeah. That there's this. But again, for our good. Yes. So like you say, so we could now enter into that a holy of holies with confidence. We don't need to have somebody be our intermediary. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and all those things pointing up to it uh, until then, you know, the, the Day of Atonement, like we talked about a little bit last week, yeah. how the, the priest would enter and offer sacrifice for himself, but then also for the people. And I love how blood would be sprinkled even on the, the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. And, and what was inside the Ark of the Covenant? Well, Aaron's staff, a jar of manna, and then... Perhaps most significantly, the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah two tablets. So, isn't that beautiful? So these Ten Commandments that we've broken, yeah, the yeah. Israelites broke, it's covered with blood, right? It's atoned for. And Jesus, of course, you know, his blood, that's the ultimate, right? And that's what all those sacrifices are pointing toward is the one who is going to take away the sin of the world and, and for the times that we've sinned and broken those Ten Commandments. And, and here's what's cool about that. So you're you're a priest, right? You're the high priest after the order of, of Levi and Aaron and all that. And you go in there and the teaching is that you're going to sacrifice a lamb for the sins of Israel for the whole year. And I think you you got to be thinking, how? No, come on, give me a break. This yeah. lamb could not, sacrificing one lamb, could. how could that possibly take care of the sins of all the people for all time? And then, of course, we understand what that is when Jesus comes. Oh, that lamb of God, the sinless son of God, in fact, almighty God himself. Yeah, that's a sacrifice that might take care of, well, in fact, does take care of all sins of all time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, incredible. All yeah. sin that has ever happened, that is happening, that will ever happen, uh, it's all taken care of by the blood of Jesus. And, and, and so my point is, they, they understood that. Yeah. I don't think there was any high priest that went in there and thought, by doing this kind of sacrifice, somehow that was going to take care. They understood this pointed ahead to a greater sacrifice, and the author of Hebrews then reminds us, yeah, that was Jesus. That's what that was all about. Yeah. And But I like the fact that what you brought out to, all the way back to Melchizedek, it was even before yeah. Aaron knows. No, this was God's plan from the very beginning. Cool, man. Yeah, and I think, you know, too, you know, there, there are always these priests, and then today you know, there's there's pastors. Yeah. Um, and part of our job as pastors is to uh, represent God to the people, yeah. uh, you know, proclaim God's word. Not that we're a God, right? No, we're just we're sharing his word, pronouncing those words of forgiveness and absolution, uh, giving uh, Jesus' body and blood and communion, 
baptizing, all those things, but then also representing people before God. You know, I think of the colic, the prayers, and the prayer of the church, you know, how we bring those prayers on behalf of us and the people uh, before God. So even that priest, priestly role uh, carried out even still today. In well, well no, let, me, let, me, let me push you a little bit on that, yeah, though. Yeah. And, and no offense to our good Catholic brethren, sure. call, call your worship, uh, your your church heads, whatever you want to call them. Call them priests if you would. But we very particularly don't call our church leaders priests because there are no more sacrifices to be made, right? The sacrifice is done, and and that was a key function of a priest is to make the sacrifice. So, no, you're right. We represent uh, God to the people. We bring God's word to them. I like the priesthood. We pray for them like a priest would, but, but we've been reluctant to use the term priest to describe our church leaders because the key thing of a priest was that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's what made you a priest. I mean, we, we're not doing any more sacrifices. Yeah, that's yeah. all been done by Jesus. So, like in the Lord's Supper, Jesus isn't being re-sacrificed. No, no that's one sacrifice is sufficient. Efficient. Uh, we remember it. We receive the benefits of it in communion, but yeah, not resacrifice. Ain't that what Hebrews says? That the sacrifice once yeah, for all? Yeah, once for all. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, that's the words of Hebrews. Not the words of John and Matt, just yeah. in case you wonder. And I do think, you know, in worship, kind of uh, one thing to watch is, is where is your pastor facing? You oh, know, yeah. Yeah. You know, when he's facing the altar, well, he's serving in that priestly role of representing the people before God. When yeah. he's facing the people, he's typically representing God to the people. So it's kind of interesting to just watch, you know, how where does the pastor face? How does that body language even speak to that, too? And it is interesting, though, we we are reluctant to use the term priest precisely for that reason. We do not want to detract mm-hmm. from the sacrifice of Jesus. And yet, uh, liturgically speaking, yeah, when we when we face the uh, uh, congregation, that's that's the uh, uh, that that's the sacramental. Don't we call mm-hmm. that? The, and then when we face the altar, that's the sacrificial. Sacrificial, yeah. Just for those yeah. of you who like the the terminology. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, the other thing I you know before we leave this topic, yeah. I wanted to bring up, and I, I just sure. mentioned briefly last week is. You know, in heaven, though, you know, John, we're going to be out of a job, I'm yeah. thinking, right? Because we, you don't really need pastors in heaven. No. You don't, because what does a pastor do? Well, they they, they share God's word. They point people to Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus is right there in yeah. heaven, right? Um, the high priest is right there before us. The lamb who was slain on the cross is right there before us. Uh, now, Jesus, he'll be high priest forever, right? right. Uh, in the order of Melchizedek. But, but you and I know uh, we're, we're pastors for a time. Yeah. And that's a wonderful thing and a, a blessed job and calling. Uh, but yet in heaven, no, Jesus is the, the one, the only, there he is right there, the high priest himself. And some of us are retired already. <laughs> yes, some are retired and just don't care anymore, right, Josh? <laughs> As you tour Southern Illinois on Sunday mornings. Um, so, so one more topic uh, okay. uh, um, today, Good. Uh, I wanted to share with you a little unusual experience we had and just kind of get your, your comment on this. So we bought a new car. We bought a new car. I'm not going to tell you what car we bought or where we bought it. Cause I don't want to embarrass anybody, yes. but yes. a new car. <laughs> now we're, we're, we're talking with the, the car salesman as they're working on the financials, right? If you've ever done that, it takes forever to get all the loan forms oh, and my all goodness. the titles yep. and done. And this, haggling back and forth and bargaining. And, and, and this fellow uh, is so neat because usually they just leave you there. They leave you sitting in the room and they'll, we'll be back to you. But this guy stayed and talked with us while they were doing all the financial well, that's papers. that's nice, yeah. And he, he knew I was a pastor. And so he said, you know, let me talk to you. I'm, I'm, I was born and raised Catholic, but I've kind of fallen away from the church. In fact, he says my faith has kind of been challenged. Um, and that's because 
all of the evil he says. In fact, he talks specifically about, he must have been thinking about these stories that had happened a few months ago where these little children were killed and their bodies are found. And he said, how can that be? How can God allow that stuff to be happen? I just, I have a difficulty believing a loving God could allow that to happen. Um, and so I began my spiel, because we, we've dealt with why there's even the will. I did it. I wasn't getting anywhere. He wasn't listening to me. He wasn't paying any attention. Uh, um but then my wife had some really nice things to say. But let me throw it out to you first. So when have you had to wrestle with that? And what kind of answer have you given people? A nice, easy question, huh, John? <laughs> no, but that I, I'm, you know, I, I say that jokingly because, yeah, this comes up all the time, mm-hmm. right? And I think that this isn't anything new. It's the number one objection I've read of why people have trouble believing God because of the evil in the I world. believe it. Yeah. And I don't think it's it's a new objection. I don't know I mean, who's I keeping think... track of these things, but I've read <laughs> no, that. Right. Yeah. Yes. But I think it's 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 an age-old objection. Uh, and it's it's probably one that the devil likes to throw at us, right? And I, yeah. I think the, the conundrum is here is, okay, there's bad things that happen in the world, and people figure, well, uh, either either there's a, a, a God who's all-powerful, all Powerful but unloving, yeah. or maybe there's a, a God who's loving but but he's not all powerful, you yeah. know. Because boy, if God was loving and powerful, surely he would yeah. put an end to this evil. Uh, and I guess you know, obviously, we believe and scriptures attest to a God that who is all powerful and is all loving. And I think uh, one way to answer the question well, he has put an end to evil, yeah. right? <laughs> he's done something about it. Um, he sent his son Jesus Christ yeah. uh, to die on the cross to rise from the dead, and he's promised that he's going to return, and that on the last day, then finally, things will be restored. There won't be that evil. But until then, boy, it, it does stink. And yeah, there is bad things that happen in this world, and it is imperfect since the time of Adam and Eve. Uh, but thankfully, God hasn't left us alone in our, in our turmoil and in our suffering, but it's provided a solution for it. So, I mean, that's kind of my short, you know, elevator speech. If I had 30 <laughs> seconds to, to to talk to someone in the elevator, uh, and, and boy, but we could spend weeks on this, but that's just kind of a brief explanation. So, so, so the thought I had, and I didn't share this with a fellow, yeah. but the thought I had is poor God doesn't, he, he can't catch a break. So, so if he allows evil to remain in the world, then people criticize him for allowing evil to remain in the world. Why isn't he doing something about that? Mm-hmm. And yet these same people will take the story of the flood and say, what kind of God is this that destroys everybody, every living thing in the world? And I think, well, he destroyed it because they were evil. He was the, doing something about the evil. It's the very evil. thing you wanted him to do, and now you're criticizing him for doing that. You know, poor guy can't win. Lynn, however, had this beautiful, beautiful insight. You know the parable about the sower and, and where the, the weeds come out in the fields? Sure. Yeah. Do you know what, what they come in, you know, and they're complaining, what happened? We planted this beautiful field. We got this wonderful weed out there. And now we go out there and it's filled with weeds. There's these weeds in amongst the wheat. Do you remember what the answer the master gives to those servants when they're complaining about what are we going to do with all these weeds out in the world? I said, well, let them keep it growing. And then when the. I knew that part. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, Lynn. She's sharp. You you got a smart wife too. You know if you're a doofus, you really need to have <laughs> a, smart a smart wife. <laughs> I think that's by God's design. She pointed out, and I'd forgotten this. He says an enemy has oh, done so this. Miss, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, well, there's your answer. You want to know why evil? It's the devil. He put all that evil in there. But now, yeah, give give the answer though that follows that. You were, you I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, you. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let it grow, and then you know, in the end, then the the harvesters will come and will. 
we'll we'll separate those. And yeah. you know, the harvesters are the angels. Then, and, and why, why can't we pull the weeds out now? Because uh, then the the good stuff is going to be taken yeah. along with it. Yeah. And I thought, wow, Lynn, that's the perfect parable to describe. That's the dilemma of God. You better believe it. He hates this evil. He wants to put an end to this evil. But dang it, there are people like the apostles. Paul out there who are evil, they're wicked. They're they're holding people's cloaks so that Christians can be stoned to death. And yet he's not. He's not going to end up being a weed. He's going to repent. He's going to become part of that good harvest. Uh, and and you know, I said this, I said to this the guy, I said, you know, the thing you need to remember is that God could have brought this world to an end a long time ago. He could have said, I'm just sick and tired of this, and I'm gonna do like I did in the flood. But then I wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be here. See? Mm-hmm. And and he loves us and he wants us to. To be saved, uh, uh, and, and so yeah, that's God's. There, that is the mercy. That is the patience that He's not brought the evil to an end. Um, yeah. And then, didn't you want to hear the other really neat thing that that Lynn said? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, of course, <laughs> John. Why did you hesitate? We've got we've got four more minutes, <laughs> uh, right? Yeah, we got plenty of time. <laughs> so I'm going off to talk to the financial guy, and and she's still there talking to uh, uh, the salesman, and so I didn't actually hear this. Uh, but she said, you know, I, 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 I told him about Romans where it says, what is it? The wages of sin is death, but uh, you remember yeah, that? The gift that? of God, yeah. eternal life in yeah. Christ Jesus. Yeah, that, yeah. That, the free gift. And, and she said, I told him about that. That's just what it is. You know, you don't need to do anything about this. God just loves. God just forgives. And, and, and her term is you just, just have to unwrap it. You know, you, you can refuse it. That's true. But, but no, it's just all given to you. And she said she could see his eyes light up. When, when when she said that, uh, and and so here was my thought, Matt. As long as you're talking about the evil out in the world, I don't know if I can really address you. I don't know if I can be of help to you. Mm-hmm. It's only when you begin to look and realize I'm I'm part of the evil. I'm more than a doofus. I can be angry. I can be selfish. I can be lustful. I can do all those things. In fact, they're going on inside of me all the time. And it's only when you encounter that, then you begin to realize, oh, I do need a merciful God. Maybe the the answer is not to just destroy the evil here and now. Maybe what God doing is really the the loving, forgiving, merciful thing to do. Um, so anyway, those are my thoughts. You got any other things you want to might add to that? Matt, I, or? I, I would just say that, that Jesus... You know, God is not uh, ignoring us in no. our in our sufferings, and yeah, yeah. he he is doing something about it. And he has done something about it, and uh, to overcome evil and violence and all that with with sort of an an evil violent act, even yeah, Jesus' death oh, on the cross, yeah, yeah, that's how he overcomes it. I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, and then uh, finally, you know, boy, keep your eyes on the last day. Yeah, I think sometimes we lose sight of that even as Christians. But yeah, he's going to make all things right. There's going to be a day when there is no evil and there's no more pain and no more suffering. It's coming. He's promised it. But until then, like you said, he's being patient and we have the opportunity to share Christ so that they too can look forward to that last day with us. And, and, and so on the one hand, that is a warning when we see ourselves yep. sinning. No, don't think, oh, that's no big deal. It doesn't really matter. I'm better than most people. No, no, because that that's that can't last. That can, that's got to be destroyed. That's got to be put to death. And it will be. It will be. Uh, and yet on the other hand, once we realize that and, and we repent, that's the biblical word. What a great comfort to know. No, no, we're not going to be. We're not abandoned here. We're not going to be abandoned there. Uh, like you say, uh, and someday the Lord will come and he will set everything right and, and we'll we'll rejoice that it's going to be a gift from him. We're not going to earn it or work for it. No, we've probably worked against it in many ways, but that gift will be given us. 
Um, and Matt, I really like what you said because that was the other thing I said to him too. He said, you know, this this is really a uh, a, a bad world. There's no doubt about it. But it's nice to know we have a God who's actually come down to be in this world. With yes. Us. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole point of Jesus. Well, I thank God for the opportunity you had to share uh, well, no, God's word we and share wanted, Christ with we this to guy. Buy a car. And, that's all we wanted. I know, to do. I know, but God Lord had bigger Adam. plans than yeah. mine. It sounds like, and yeah. you know, would that He give those opportunities to us too? Yeah, uh, to share Christ in the midst of uh, and, suffering. And, and like I said, does that be a complicated answer? Like Lynn said, just it's a gift. It's a gift. This has been wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics.